This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or be on blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Hello folks and welcome to episode 71 of the How You Go Mate podcast. Adam's my name, uh, host and producer of the podcast. And uh, this week we've got a pretty special guest uh, on the podcast. If um, I always joke if there's ever a Hall of Fame, a How You Go Mate Hall of Fame, then this next guest would be one of the very first entrants into it for his contribution to um, what we do. Now, the guest, my guest this week is Anthony Snedden. And you might hear me refer to him as Owl, uh, as, as in Night Owl. Um, Anthony and I used to do community radio together many years ago. And one of the things that happens when you talk on community radio, you know, you play songs and, and things like that. So in the breaks, we would play, just chat, generally speaking, about stuff. I've known Anthony for about seven, eight years. This is about seven, eight years ago. And, uh, and uh, we were talking one night about mental health and um, some of the various mental health initiatives that are out there. And uh, Anthony said something, as you'll hear in the episode, I'm not going to talk too much, but but changed the course of certainly my life uh, that night. So he's had this incredible contribution to the very early stages of How You Going, Mate. And I'm, I'm actually really happy that he's come on and had a chat. It's a really interesting chat. He's um He does a, a few things. He's a self-proclaimed proud Aussie bogan. Uh, he loves um, Kevin Bloody Wilson and Commodores and Speedway. And he's actually a very accomplished Speedway photographer. And so we sort of talk a little bit, there's a little bit of talk there about... Um, you know, metaphors, how Speedway sometimes can be a metaphor for mental health and life. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, I'm really happy that I got to sit and have a chat with him. I'm really happy that we got to, um, I get to acknowledge his place in How You Go Mate history. And I'm really keen for you guys to have a listen to the episode. So as always, a big thank you to everyone that listens. A uh, big thank you to Jeff Anderson for last fortnight's episode. Um, had some had some pretty good feedback for that one actually that was nice and uh, i really hope you guys love this episode uh please if you if you love it let me know uh, i'm really love to hear the feedback and the comments and without further ado let's unleash the night owl on the world <laughs> and ask anthony the very simple question all right night owl <laughs> we, we need to explain that how you going mate Mate, I'm fantastic. Yourself? Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty good. I've had a good day today. I went and looked at fairies. I'm just so you were actually off with the fairies. That's <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> Mate, I've been off with the fairies for a long time. You know that. <laughs> yes, but I wasn't going to bring that part up. <laughs> oh goodness me! So we've got it. We've got to talk. This is um. 
one of these instances where we've got someone on the show who's really important to the how you're going mate story there's a there's a few of you that have been on every once in a while um but to give or maybe look we 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 did community radio together quite a few years ago now it doesn't feel like eight years ago but it was eight years ago eight years ago where'd the time go i know it's insane. Well, the thing is about, I think it was about seven years ago when you and I first met. Um, yeah. But to, to let everyone kind of know, I used to do a Tuesday night 8 to 10 slot um, with, with Steve Wisby, who a lot of people have uh, might have heard on a previous episode. He was on about the fourth or fifth episode. And uh, the owl here, Anthony, used to be... Should tell him your proper name is Anthony Stead and not Night Owl. Yes, but you used to do the 10 to 12 slot. But, um, you know, you used to get in super early. And so usually you'd either jump in on our show or if Steve wasn't there, you and I'd do the show together. And then, of course, yeah. there's lots of time where you've got music playing and ads playing and things like that. So you get time to talk together. And, yeah. one, and one night we were talking about mental health. Yeah. And... Um, feel free to jump jump in and t- take over the story anytime you like. <laughs> but the the way I recall the story, and correct me if you think I've I've done it wrong, um, we were talking about and and I, I, I Mrs H always says, don't bag out. Are you okay today? Because they do good things and they're big and they're powerful and you don't want to annoy them. So I, I yeah, but I did. <laughs> but this is not a this is not a slide against them. But we were we were talking about are you okay? And the cool. idea of the phrase, are you okay? And what that actually meant. This is an off-air conversation we had one night. And we were talking about, are you okay? And, and what it actually sounded like. And you said to me that night, what did you say to me? I said it sounded too American. And are you okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, nah. Anyone said to me, are you okay? It's like, what are you trying to get at? What is the context of your question? Because it just sounds like, are you crazy? Are you? And it just didn't resonate to somebody that speaks fluent Australian. And I still remember with real clarity because there's moments in life where, like, just something clicks. You know, I, I describe them as like tuning fork moments where, like, it just goes bing inside your head, yeah. and you went, "Mate, I'd soon, I'd sooner have someone come up and say, how you going, mate?'" Yeah, because that's how well, I that's talk. Good. Yeah, well, we're Australian. We'll come up to a fellow Australian and say, "Oh, how you going, mate? Is everything all all right?" Mm. Mm. And mm. we um, and and for me, I, so I said this to you the other day. I went home that night and I wrote it down. I just wrote down, "How you going, mate? Mental health initiative. That sounds like something cool." And mm. and I already had in my head that so. And for people that have listened before, you know this, but the birth of "How you going, mate?" partly was about. A reaction to the things that we see on social media where people go like, oh, can you share this status with 10 people so I know I've got someone to talk to with? And it's like, you know, or I'm always here and if people need me, I'm always around. And as anyone that's listened knows, the idea behind how you go, mate, is not, it, it is about actively supporting someone with their mental health. So if someone, if you know someone's doing it tough, rather than say, oh, mate, I'm here if you need me, give me a buzz if yeah. you need anything, give me a call, you go, you ring the person and say, how you go, mate? So, so I wrote that down that night because you're right. Like that's the quintessential Australian phrase. You hear it, or even going to Coles and buying your ham from the counter. You know, like, "Hey, go, mate. Oh, good. Yeah. What can I get you? You know. Yeah. 
Um, sure. So I wrote it down, and then a, a, a few months later, I think, um, maybe maybe six months later, um, my friend Steve suicided. And when I then sort of th- thought, well, I'm going to do something with this, and this is, you know, I'm going to try and make something positive out of this horrible experience and try and raise awareness for people and try and bring my philosophy, like the how you go, mate, philosophy into into the world, um, it was perfect. And that's where it was born. But you were the inspiration. <laughs> was, that's a wild thought. Sorry, I just, I laughed then because I'm like, I, in my head I'm like, I've just got this picture of like me as an artist and you as the, you know, the, the person I'm painting on something. <laughs> Yeah, that's a scary thought. An Archibald Prize painting of me. <laughs> I was thinking of like Jack and Rose in Titanic, you know, paint me like one of your French girls. That's really but I haven't got the jewels. <laughs> or maybe I have. Stay tuned for more. <laughs> but um but yeah. More after the break here on here on here on how you go, mate. Um but yeah, so that that's it. That's the that was that was, you know, your part in that whole process of like just that phrase where you went, I'd sooner have someone to say, hey, go, mate. And I was like, yeah. mate, that's phenomenal. Because that's what we do. Exactly. And um, like we were speaking the other day, um, one of, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I'm not, not a big country music aficionado, but one of Slim Dusty's songs about a guy who was riding bulls and he'd fall off. And the first thing he'd say to his friend was, how do I go with it, mate? Mm. And, that's the way us Aussies speak. We don't go, are you okay? And like I said earlier, if somebody says to you, are you okay? It's, you're like asking on what level uh, am I okay? Am I physically okay? Me physically? No, I'm shot. I feel like I've been in a human demolition derby. Mentally, I'm getting there, but we all can't be perfect. But that's where we say to our friends, how are you going, mate? Mm. And the really important thing there is the the answer to that question. Mm. Um, and I said to you the other day, we had you know Nathan on the program in the first one, one of the first episodes or second first episode with a guest, where somebody mm. said to him, "How you going, mate?" And he goes, "Yeah." I'm, and it was he was in South Pacific Private Hospital, and um, mm. I said, "How you going, mate?" And he goes, "Oh, good, good, thanks." And I went, "No, you're not. You're in a psychiatric facility. <laughs> there's there's some things going on that you need to fix." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because we answer that question and we go, oh, yeah, good. Yeah, good. And it's like, mm. you know, sometimes we even ask it without even thinking about asking. It is such part of our our, our, our speech and the way we talk to each other that it's just, how you go, mate? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. other really interesting thing is when somebody says it to you and you go, yeah, I'm good. How are you? And they, they sort of look at you and go, what? In what way are you asking me that? Are you just being polite as well, or are you? And I try and ask it in a way. It's like, how are you? Like, how are you? Are you? You know, what's going on for you? Yeah, I'm really good. Or you know, and it gives you the opportunity to ask, have a conversation about how they are. Yeah. And I think that's the really important thing about this, and to say to people that the "how you going, mate?" question in our context isn't. It isn't about like the the polite you know, conversation thing that we do as Aussies, how you go, mate? It is about genuinely ringing your mate and saying, how are you? What's going on for you? You know, what's happening? And particularly if you know that they're doing it tough or, Mm. you know, all those sorts of things, which, you know, 
conceivably after the last two years, most people have been. Um, but yeah, so mate, I I wanted to I wanted to say thank you for you know putting that inside my head and for that being something that I was able to go and you know take out into the world. And I know it's done good. Um, I know I've had you know not as many people as I'd like, but I've had a few people come up and say that they they love what I do, they love what the message we try and get out there. So you know you're a part of that, and that was that's undeniable. So if there's ever like a how you go, mate, Hall of Fame. Well, there'll be a picture of you. Just don't put it next to Wisby. We'll get confused with each other. We'll get it photoshopped as well, just so you look... Like, like people will think it's George Clooney, but it'll be you. I was hoping more Channing Tatum, but I'll, anyway. I'll take that. That's good. I can live with Channing. I, uh, yeah. Is that is that Channing Tatum? I've actually got to contact him. Uh, if you can get your agent to contact Channing, I uh, actually need my body back. This one's broken. <laughs> All right, my friend. Let's um, let's talk mental health. What when when I say the words mental health, what does mental health mean to you? I mean, look, it means a lot. Is like I, a lot of people probably don't know this, and it's something that a lot of people call personal. I have a form of as uh, called I got Asperger's. As a, you know, it's a form of autism. But when I grew up as a child, like I'm turning forty something soon. <laughs> but back in the day. Things like autism, ADHD, weren't spoken about. It was like you were just expected to act a certain way. And mm-hmm. for me, growing up, like I knew I was different. I, I knew apparently I was weird because I'd sit there and look at Dad's old UBD street directory, and by the age of ten, I could get you anywhere in Sydney you wanted to because I knew which roads to fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, a bit later on, as you all probably remember, the movie with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise come out, Rain Man. Mm-hmm. They come out, and I'm thinking, hang on, he remembers numbers. I remember how to get around Sydney quite well from reading. It could be a connection, but I never knew. But um, like eventually, like my older sister, she was saying, yeah, well, we've got autistic traits in the family. You've got this, this, this comes back to my love of railways and eventually Speedway where I could remember small facts that people would probably forget about. Yeah. And I'm thinking, is that why everyone looks at, was looking at me like, pardon the phrase, if anyone gets offended, like they'd look at me as if I'm some kind of idiot for remembering something they wouldn't have given two rats about. Mm-hmm. So eventually that would start making me feel like, um, I've got to be. There's got to be something wrong with me, and it would bring me mental health down. But yeah, it was a few people when they were saying, "No, no, no, that's a good thing." It would bring the mental health levels back up to where I could cope with it again. Mm. So that's pretty much mental health for me. But um, yeah, it's something that the governments really don't look at, um, especially like PTSD. I've seen many cases of that, uh, like the bushfires. Hmm. Um, and there was very little done. Like I still remember the uh, time over at Sutherland where the body was found in the pool. Uh, there was a couple of guys that had found the lady in the swimming pool. I think it was Janali or Camo there. Mm-hmm. We were actually listening on the radio at Sutherland Fire Control. We heard the call. Hmm. And we are all like, Oh, 
bugger. And that wasn't the word we used. Mm -hmm. but we knew that they were going to. And apparently they didn't get any help until about five or six years later. So, wow. yeah, that was a bit of a worry. So, and, and now these days you fall over at school and they're calling in student counsellors. Yeah. And that's a good thing, I think. I think it's good that we jump into this so much earlier. I mean, um, you know, kids out there, and we've spoken about our Natalie before, sort of managing anxiety about certain things. And, um, you know, in, and as you said, mate, in the past, I, I always tell a story of a, a fellow I went to school with who, looking back, was definitely on the spectrum, 100% on the spectrum. And we're, you and I are the same age. We're talking about the same era. And it's only the mm -hmm. 80s. It's not like it was the 1920s or anything like that. But um, he, he was treated absolutely horrendously because he couldn't sit still. He couldn't stay, you know, he couldn't follow the class structure. He couldn't be a part of that environment. And I remember the teacher at the time used to have him sit. Now, we were good mates, him and I as well. I really liked him because he was a good guy. It was fun to hang around with. Like, he wasn't, mm. he didn't act any differently outside of, you know, just the fact that he couldn't sit straight in class. He couldn't sit there and focus. He couldn't sit there and concentrate. So the teacher had him sitting on his own, away from the rest of the class. He wasn't allowed to talk to people. He wasn't allowed to do things. And he really, really zeroed him out. Mm. And it was just awful. And and looking back on that now, knowing what I know, I've worked in disabilities for 20-odd years. I, I, I know what I'm looking at. I'm, I look back at him and I go like, man, he, he had something on the spectrum. He was somewhere on that yeah. spectrum whether it's ADHD or, you know, Asperger's or whatever it was. And he was treated horrendously. And, um, you know, but nowadays we at least, like, you know, like, you know, Natalie will say, I don't want to go to school because I feel sick, you know. And sometimes you feel sick and that's okay. But sometimes it's like, well, why? You know, and having that conversation and not just blowing them off or thinking that they're being naughty or being brats or whatever, but actually exploring well, why are you behaving like this? What are you doing? What's happening? Um, and what does that look like? So I think it's good that we're, we've changed, but, you know, it means that guys our, our age, guys like yourself, struggled through the first bloody 20 years of your life, 30 years of your life. Yeah, exactly. Like you'd sit in school. Um, like for me, my couple of my favourite subjects were like maths, geography and history. Yeah. And like... They were subjects I'd get into because they, they were feeding me information, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you'd learn different stuff. And like there was one time I moved from one school to another school, and they were teaching us in year six the stuff I'd already learned in year five. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, cool! I know some of the answers to this. So I'm rattling off the answers, and the teachers just turned around and said. You obviously know what you're talking about, so sit there and let everyone else have a go. So I sat back, and next thing you know is everyone's like, oh, he's he must be a nerd. Oh, that was a word, nerd, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And because you, you'd remember stuff, especially like with the Asperger's and that, as I said before, mm. you'd remember stuff. Um, like even today uh, with uh, my photography, is I use a digital camera, and most people these days, I'll go out and buy the biggest, greatest Canon. They put it straight on the water. The camera does everything from, mm -hmm. from lighting, everything. Yet I'll put it on the manual mode, and I'll set it up to take the photo the way I want it. Mm -hmm. and people go, oh, how do you remember that? It's like, I just remember it. For me, it's like second nature. Mm -hmm. and then 
then they still go, oh, well, he uses manual mode. There must be something wrong with him because he can remember all the settings from five or six years ago. Mm. But, um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. the, the thing with that is as well, like, I, I think to myself, like, you, you mentioned the UBD, right? Um, mm. I, like, I'm, I, I never did that. But when I was a kid, my job sitting in the car, if we were going anywhere where we didn't know where we were, my job was navigator. So I had to sit there with the the UBD open and I had to sit there and tell mum where to go and what, which direction to turn and blah, blah, blah. Dad kind of never got slapped for it too. <laughs> I usually got it pretty right, to be perfectly honest with you. I was pretty good at it. I never memorised the whole thing. But <clears throat> like today, we don't we don't use that part of it. Like what I think you were using was your memory. You know, you, you, you'd lock something in and you'd sat it there and, you know, and now you knew. And the thing is, is you knew, okay, for this type of shot, I need this type of setting and bang, it was there. It was just locked into your memory. You know, you would remember, you, you know, you'd, I'm sure you still remember how or know how to get to most places. Um, but now I, I, I struggle to remember people's addresses because I just put it in my GPS and a bang, it takes me there, you know. And I don't need to actually pay attention to where I'm driving because I've got a little voice in the little box that says, turn left, turn right, go through this roundabout, go to these sets of lights, you know. And so I think... Go up on the clock in the middle of Main Street, Mudgee, turn left, that'll take you to Dunny Do. Yeah. Something again that age seven I knew how to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I think what you're do, again, talking about is actually a lost art. Like it's like a something we should be able to do rather than, you know, you shouldn't... Like you should, as a photographer, know, and I'm just throwing out words that I know. Like mm -hmm. you should know what apertures you've got to use. You should know how long you've got to keep the, the keep the lens open. You know what I mean? Like you should know what what speed you need the the shutter to go off at for it to get this shot. Yeah, like that makes sense. Yeah, but again, uh, people have just become. I hate to use the term "dumbed down." They just put, like I said, they buy the camera, put it auto, and. The camera does everything for them. It's like I was taking photos using 35 millimeter film on a what was a German made practica camera. Yeah. As soon as you hit the shutter button, it sounded like somebody dropped a bomb off behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you, as you probably remember, you took a photo on film, you were lucky to have you had to wait two or three days before the mm -hmm. film come back. Yep. And you could take a whole roll of 36, and you'd get nothing but either white out. So just black photos. Yeah. You know, okay. Obviously something's wrong. Or a blur or a, you know, you didn't mm. quite get the shot or, you know. Or the other one was is if you tried to, like if you brought a roll of 24 and you try to get an extra frame or two, you'd only get a half shot off yeah. like the last couple of shots and you're like, yeah, okay. Well, my, my other favourite where you'd buy a 36 and um, you'd only use, say, 25, 26 of them but you desperately wanted to see the photos because it was a party or a celebration or something like that. So you just rattle off 10 rubbish shots, like 10 shots of like the grass and the dog and, you know, your car and whatever. So you could go and get the, the film made up. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just so you could get the film made up and it was there it was. It was, you know, the, the, the kids today, they, won't, they, won't, they don't know what it means to wait four days for a set of photos. Oh, heaven forbid. Like, I've gone out, uh, like, as I said earlier, I'm a bit rail enthusiast. I've gone with, like, small groups, mm. and, like, I really don't do groups that well. <laughs> but I've gone with about three or four other guys, and 
the young guys they'll get their camera and they'll set it on rapid shot mm. like we were mm. like a machine gun and we're thinking crikey those shots aren't going to turn out what and i'll explain to what um for the people listening um the best way i can explain a camera is a an adaptation of your eye. Um, go look at something. Uh, could be a clock. Now you look at your clock. It's nice and clear. Now pretend your eyelids are the shutter on the mm. camera, and you blink really fast. Whatever you're looking at is going to get blurry. Mm. That's what happens with the camera when you're taking X amount of shots in a small. I'm doing it now, frame. actually, and you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's why I've, even with my speedway, my rail shots, I've mm. only ever taken a single shot. Mm. And, like, you pick where you want, like, the front wheel of the car to be in a speedway shot, and that's where you line it up or mm. line it up with a tree or something. Mm. That's where you want to frame it in. But I reckon it's and, more satisfying to get to take the single shot and get a great shot. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you feel better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was at uh, Goulburn Speedway last night, and I'm not sure if you've seen it on my old Facebook page, but I've actually got a picture of a car where it spun out and the other guy's come in at full noise, and he's hit, and then the second car that's in is actually sitting and balancing on his two wheels mid-roll. Oh, wow. And, like... I've with all this COVID and that, I've only been able to get out on the infield of uh, like Alban Speedway three or four times and the uh, New Western Creek for about five. Mm. But compared to most other photographers in Speedway, I've done very, very little in the past two years where a lot of them have done like 20, 30 odd shows. Mm. And as you, you probably know, Adam, I injured my hip a couple of years back. Mm. So that really put a kibosh on what I could do. Mm. And yet I got the photo and the Speedway Australia photographer of the year, the current one, mm. come up and he goes, tell me, did you get that? And I'm like, yeah, showed it to him. He's like, yeah. what is it with you, you mongrel? You've been out <laughs> and you come up and you pull out something like that. He goes, you're just a bloody mongrel, aren't you? And <laughs> I remember a little joking term. I'm like, hey, they like to crack your throat of me. What, are you, what have I got to say? <laughs> they don't call you crashy for nothing. No. No. But, you know, this is a thing, and then, and um, I mean, we've talked the other day about this, it, potentially even that's a part of, you know, your obsessive kind of part of your personality where you know, we said this the other day, you know, you know what's going to happen. You can Ooh. almost sort of sense, you, you know, if you see a car shift a certain way, you know, it's this is probably going to be the end result of that. So it's then just a matter of waiting for that moment to occur and bang, you get it, and then the shot's you know the shot's perfect, um, you know, and that's that's the patience of taking a photo, which I think people will lose. Um, but as I said, that that part of your nature that is, you know, is on the spectrum is happy to wait for that because you want that perfect shot, and you know when it's coming, yeah. and you just matter of getting the thing. Yeah, well, I I know it's like. A lot of people might think racing, okay, they race around on on like the asphalt, the V8 supercars mm -hmm. or the taxi cars. It's, they all follow the leader. It's, but yet on a dirt circuit, the tyres will form grooves like you see in the road 
where you, the trucks have been. That hmm. You hit one of those in a car and you're going sideways, you know it's going to bounce. Mm. And they, you watch some of the rides, they'll just bounce and you're like, okay, he's hitting that a bit too hard. He'll, and if it's a smart driver, he'll back off and go to a different line. Mm. But you'll get some of the younger guys, they'll keep trying to knock that cushion down, mm-hmm. which a cushion is basically like a gutter forming on a dirt track. Mm-hmm. And they keep trying to knock it down and it's a bad idea. Mm. Because that's normally the launching point for a lot of cars to go up in the air, and uh, and that's if you're the guy that's going to keep bashing it down, I'm going to keep my lens straight on you because uh, usually eight out of ten you're the one that's going airborne. Yeah, because eventually you'll get aired up wheels up. <laughs> yeah. so I'll be with a nice copy of it in your inbox saying, "Would you like to buy this?" <laughs> Here is one of your finest moments. <laughs> but and that's the trick to it isn't it you know it's that as you said you're watching it you know what's going to happen you know what they're doing you know eventually that that envelope that they're pushing is going to tear and they're going to flip so you just wait for that flip and that's the secret sometimes between behind getting those great shots where you're kind of anticipating knowing what's coming and then just getting it at that exact moment that you need to get it mm. yeah so but how again? Go, no, go on. Again, that also in a way relates back to some people's mental health. You could be that person trying to push the cushion and bash it down to where you need it to, mm. but you've got to realise at some point that mm-hmm. if that cushion is not going to go away, don't push it too hard mm-hmm. because you're going to end up in a place where you could be worse off than what you currently are. Yeah, but uh, fantastic analogy. Absolutely. At some point, you're going to flip. Mm. Yeah. So how how old were you when you put a, a name to how you felt? Like, you know, you watch Rain Man and you kind of go, man, that, that looks like me. That sounds like me a little bit. How old were you when you actually somebody actually said to you, mate, this is what's going on for you? Um, probably about 23 or something. Like I had something... There was a bad part of my life after I turned 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my go-to for that period was I was just working mm-hmm. or going out taking photos of trains. I hadn't really got back into the speedway things at that stage. And so, yeah, it was just work, trains, work, trains. And the fact that they were my two go-tos to try and get away from the world mm. um but yeah they said uh, a lot like a magazine called railway digest uh which is made up by the australian railway historical society you actually had a little thing it would have been about 1992-ish mm-hmm. about uh, asperger's syndrome and that's where i first read about it and that was also something i thought asperger's yeah, okay, a lot of rail enthusiasts have Asperger's, I'm like. Mm. And the way it was explained, it was only about a eight-line eight article, and it explained it pretty well that if you could remember certain things and you were interested in numbers and certain little artefact kind of things, then there was a good chance you had Asperger's. Mm. And that was it, and I'm like, 
Okay, then others later on said, yeah, Asperger's is a form of autism. And they explained it all and it was just like, yeah, it sort of like woke me up. So I was like, I'm not different in the way that I thought I was just stupid. It was just mm. associated with the hobby. <laughs> and the fact that I'd set, therefore had seen Rain Man and I could remember stuff, I'm thinking, it's not a disability when people are saying, oh, does anyone remember what happened to engine such and such, such and such, and why it was mm. withdrawn and cut up? Oh, yeah, that engine did this uh, through a, a railway terminology uh, for th putting a cylinder out of the engine box called throwing a leg out of bed. Mm. Uh, I pulled a leg out of the number five cylinder on such and such day. Mm. And people are like, you remember? And like, yeah. yeah. Mm. And, mm. Like, and, and to you, it's not weird. Like, to you, it's like, of course I remember that. You don't remember that? Like, why don't you remember that? Yeah. Like, where the hell were you? <laughs> I was there when it got dragged into the depot. Were you paying attention that day? Didn't you see that? Mm. My, um, Barb, you know, you, you know, you've, uh, you're familiar with Barb. Most people have heard her on this podcast. She is a demon for birthdays. She can remember, um, people's birthdays. So if anyone ever says, and dates in general, like, you know, like I mean, she went to a trivia night one night and the question was, you know, um, what was the date of um, that Princess Diana was killed in the in the tunnel in Paris? And it was 31st of August, 1997. And somebody was like, no, 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 it was the 30th, it was the 30th, and I argued with Barb. And I'm like, don't argue with her. She knows her date. No, 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 it's definitely the 30th. So we wrote down the 30th and Barb was right. It was the 31st. But, mm -hmm. you know, when, when members of the family want to know Who's when somebody's birthday is? They message her and say, "Hey, when so and so's birthday? Oh, it's twelfth of May or whatever, whatever day it is." Um, and she just has those details, and it's just how her brain works. Like that's just how her brain works. Yeah, and it's a great thing. Like, um, especially again, trivia nights. Um, <laughs> as you probably know, I'm one of these guys that love to research stuff on shows, and uh, I'm a big like it was actually, I think it was 62 years ago the other week that uh, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and all that passed away in the plane crash. Wow, was it really? Um, yeah. The day the uh, music died. 1959, yep. Oh, wow. um, one guy said, oh, what was the Big Bopper's real name? J.P. Richardson. Okay, half a point. <laughs> Do you want to know why? What was J.P.? Oh, um, no idea. Giles Perry. Ah, okay. Yeah, this trivia guy decided to really argue the point. No, his name was JP. I said, what kind of name is JP? Yeah. Oh, no, that's his name, JP. Yeah, Giles Perry Richardson. Mm. No, it's not. I, I handed him back all my things, like the prizes that I'd won. I had about five or six different like prizes yeah. that I were given away. I said, I'll bet all that that his name was Giles Perry. I said, you come back to me after the break. I said, you can go and Google it. <laughs> come back and he's just put, pushed everything back, put, put back. another thing back. He's like, can you not pay anymore? <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, no. Like, as I said, Asperger's, you remember the small yeah, yeah. little things. Um, and it was just funny because it was on a – as the worst thing is, like, Barbara obviously 
as you said, loves remembering birthdays. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I try to forget mine, but that's <laughs> not happening. But um, yeah, it, you get somebody with Asperger's that they got a hobby or something that they love to. Pardon the phrase, but like focus on like photography. Or, yeah. Don't you dare try and tell them how to do anything differently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had guys on Facebook. Um, the funny enough, this fellow I actually taught how to. Well, not taught everything, but gave him the basic setup on how to take photos. He's gone out and said, oh, you've got to lower your shutter speed if you want to get a good blurred shot of the background of when the car's going past. I'm like, what the blue hell? Mm. Um, so me being me, uh, not, not, that, not that I stir people much, but no, um, no. I've, got, I've, I've got on mine and I said, oh, if you really want to do it, I said, this is the best way to do it. No matter what you get told by others who um, apparently didn't listen to me when I taught them, mm. like I didn't mention the guy's name, mm. and within five minutes there was about five people saying you're talking about so so. I didn't put any name down. Within ten minutes, the guy had taken down his post. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, got contacted by so and so. Yeah. Oh. But, Great world, the speedway community. It's nice and tight, and you've only got to sneeze the wrong way, and everyone knows within half an hour. But is is that something that you struggled with over the years as well? Like, because that is one of the, I guess, the hallmarks. You know, you know what you know, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it differently because there's sort of that level of rigidity about it. Has that been a struggle for you? Uh, not really. Um... It hasn't been much of a struggle, but because um, I'm always learning again myself. Yeah. Uh, I've got great people as mentors, a bloke called Anthony Loxley. He's kind of responsible for the Speedway kind of things. Uh, he's published a lot of uh, books for just on Speedway um, that have gone around the world. Uh, uh, I've had images in that um but he's he's teach me another guy called Gavin Skeen. He's won the Speedway Australia Photographer of the Year uh, once, and some of the stuff he does is like beyond belief. Where he's actually got like the camera on the end of a selfie stick, and he's using his phone connected to the camera mm-hmm. to take a shot of like looking down into the cage of the drivers in the cockpits, and oh, wow. you're just like, whoa. And they're like they're absolutely fantastic, and those guys are always feeding me new information, new tips. Yeah, and they they still come up to me and say, they're like, Rush, you can try this instead of cropping it so much, because some like the American photographers, they'll take a photo of a car and they'll crop it so all you see is the car, you don't see the background. And mm-hmm. one of the things with the old uh, Valvoline Raceway or Parramatta Speedway. Mm-hmm. If you got into um, the corner down there against the freeway of a summer, you'd get some beautiful uh, sunset light backgrounds against the cars going past. Mm-hmm. And you would, if you cropped it, you'd miss that background. Mm-hmm. But yet, that background on that photo mm-hmm. made it, look, it was like. It completed the scene. Yeah, yeah, It's just not a picture of a race car. It's a scene of a race car flying by. Gives it gives it um, context. Yes. Like you get the sense of where it is in in the space that it sits in. Yeah, and like I've got a photo of uh, 
a couple of American guys driving down the main straight of Parramatta. And the car is crystal clear, but the background's blurred. Mm. You, but you can see that it's the seats and everyone sitting there, which gives that show of this is how quick the guy was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the things you can do with a camera if you bother to sit down and learn and not just put it on auto. And I think that's what a lot of people do um, with their lives and their mentality is, oh, we'll just switch ourselves to auto and just putt through life. Mm-hmm. No fun. Put it on manual. You might make a mistake here and there. But why are you going to have a ride doing it? I like, oh, that's good. actually like that. That's good advice. <laughs> That's that's a um that's a how you going mate you know Facebook post on some level I think because you're right like how many people just get up and do same thing routine mm. every day without thinking about it and never actually challenge themselves mm. like and when you think about it this is the thing so the the good thing about the things that you and I have done over the years is that they sound really interesting to other people like when you say to somebody. I used to have a community radio show and they go, wow, how did that happen? And what did you do? And how did that work? And, you know, like I was a radio host um, or, you know, I was a speedway photographer. Like that's as interesting as, it, like I think, like Ooh. how many people do you know that go, yeah, I'm a speedway. I mean, you know, shitloads, but, <laughs> but, but I don't know anyone else that does speedway photography. And how many people do you know that have got the, the balls to stand on the infield, not not on in the stands behind the barrier, but where it's all safe and stuff, the infield, where it's dangerous. That's incredible. That's yeah. cool. And those are the risks that we take that, like, a lot of people just, you know, oh, what'd you do with your weekend? I took photos at a speedway. What'd you do? I watched maths or I watched, you know, you know what I mean? Like, do something Yeah, different. can we leave Bathurst out of this? <laughs> I said maths, not Bathurst. Oh, maths. <laughs> no, I know, I know that Bathurst. as well. Yeah, no, that's worse, horrible. But um, yeah, mate, I, I think you're right. Take it off, take it off auto. Go and do something. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, there's that many different settings on a camera. And just you just really got to apply it to your life. Mm. Um, well, there's one on my Canons. It's called Creative Auto. Mm-hmm. Create something different in a where well, you can create something different. You can go from black and white to sepia tone. Which is that nice old brownish coloured thing? Yep. Um, and or you could make the colours very vivid, and it's a person's personal choice if they want to use that. But using auto is just um, very much like that uh, very first. Um, uh, I can't. Funnily enough, I can't remember the name of it, but it was made back in the 1920s. And it was just like people being a bunch of robots walk, walking off to work, everyone in a line. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself one day after saying that, God, I don't want to be like that. And, yeah, you just go out and try something different. Mm. It could could be amusing as all hell. Is You could be just driving to work and you Put the window down. You see somebody walking along the road. Hello, how are you going? Mm-hmm. Might frighten hell out of them, but if the frightensman gives you a laugh, it's something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paint a different picture for your day. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think it's great. Um, when, when you 
did it make life easier when you worked out that you sat on a spectrum and you had Asperger's? Did it did it make you kind of go, oh yeah, I make a bit more sense now, and and now life's a bit easier? Or do you reckon, like you said before, and it's really interesting, you go, I don't see it as a disability. It's not a disability because I get to remember stuff and I know details that no one else knows. But mm. do you, did it make did you make it easier? Did it make it harder? Or did you just get on with your life? Mate, I just got on with it and um, I just went, oh, so that's what they call it. <laughs> I call it normal. and I call it being um, me. Yeah, I'm just being me. Like, um, yeah, just kept being me and carried on with what I do. Is, and like, um, I had people insulting me and my late grandfather Listen to this day, he said to me, never worry about what somebody else says about you because you know your own faults and you're the best person to pick on you. So whatever mm. they say, tell him to, well, his words will go and get stuffed. Mm. But he, uh, he, pretty much he meant to go and tell him to get lost because mm. you know your own faults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one's harder than than you on you. <laughs> Are they? You know, like there's a question. I do some leadership training. There's a question. It's like, can you evaluate your own performance and people go oh no you can't you're not going to be objective and the answer is actually yeah you can because you're probably going to be tougher on yourself than anyone else is going to be yes speedway photography you take 300 shots you try to narrow them down to about 100 and Mm. you're like you look at some of them you go did i really take that shot oh look Mm. at that i cut bumper off the back of that car Mm. and you are you end up being so like where you're hoping to get the 100, you probably only end up with about 50 out of 300. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I doing wrong? And then you're, you start thinking to yourself, what am I doing wrong? How am I going to improve? Uh, and half the time, it's only probably something as simple as cutting, like I said, cutting the bumper off or chopping the bottom part of a car wheel off mm-hmm. because you're focusing on a certain part of the car. Mm. And Again, you've got to be very selective on wh- what you've photographed because um, I, I call it samurai photography. Probably the only legal way you can cut somebody's head off is where you <laughs> see the photos and everyone's heads have been cut off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But interesting, you sort of touched on something there where it's like, well, you sit down and reflect and you go, well, how do I make it better next time? Rather than smashing yourself over it, well, how do I not make that mistake again? Mm. And as you said, you got those guys that are sort of your mentors, your go-to guys who are going to teach you how to do things. Or, you know, was it Gavin Skeen, you know, mm. that's taken these innovative photos. It's doing something really different. Like, you know, what a fantastic shot to be able to, to get into the cockpit, so to speak. And, um, you know, well, all right, mate, if he can do that, I can try this. And if you get it wrong, oh, how do I get it right? What do I fix? What do I do to get it on, you know, spot on next time? Mm. Mate, um, mm. we got, we, it, it, we're sort of getting close to that hour mark. So I always ask the question towards the end of these things. For you, now managing your mental health and, and you, mate, you, you are a really confident dude. And that's one of the things I like about you. I mean, I know that there's probably lots of stuff that you're not that confident about yourself with. But as you said, there's um, you'll just have a go and you back yourself most of the time. And that's one of the things I really actually admire about you. 
But in terms of looking after your mental health, being okay with who you are and, and coming back from some of the knocks that you get, what do, what do you go to for looking after your mental health? Mate, the first thing I always go to is uh, a bit of comedy. I'm a big fan of uh, Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> uh, and like, He's got a song out at the moment. I'm sure everyone knows about it. If not, please look it up on YouTube. Uh, it's called Billy Gaff. I'm not going to spell it out what it means. Um, but if you make a mistake, you just, when somebody's giving you the grief about it, just, just say Dilly Gaff. Dilly Gaff. It's big, yeah. on, it's big on Instagram reels. Yeah, mate, it's fantastic. It's mm. it's a lot better than the uh, other word uh, acronym that we were told about at uh, one of his shows, which is Bohica, <laughs> which is a naval term. Right. Which basically means bend over here, it comes again. And Bohica's great as well because whenever you do something wrong, you, you're sure as hell going to know that somebody's going to let you know about it. You're like, bugger, here it comes again. Yeah. Or the um, uh, snafu situation yeah. normal, <laughs> all left up. <laughs> now, here's a trivia question for you. Where did you first hear the term snafu? I think I actually heard it. And I'm, I'm going to say, I hope this is the right answer, but I think I actually heard it in the movie Tango and Cash. An Australian movie called Mad Max. Oh, uh, really? Really? Yes, uh, Steve Beisley or Beisley, yeah, uh, Goose. Yeah, yeah, Goose, yeah. Uh, where he's, they were chasing uh, the old Knight Rider through uh, parts of Melbourne there. Mm-hmm. He come off his bike and he goes, we are 100% snafu. <laughs> there you go. Mad Max. And I, I always wondered what the hell that meant. <laughs> then one day I, ah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I think I'm pretty, well, I'm pretty sure Sylvester Stallone used it in Tango and Cash. So yeah. what, what was Mad yeah. What was Mad Max? Mad Max was 70, 70. Oh, it would have been just 70, after we were born, 78, 79. Yeah. So um, Tango and Cash was 87, I think, him and Kurt Russell. Not, it would have been about 94-ish, 95. No, it was earlier than that, I'm sure of it. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm going for 90s on that one. All right, all right. Well, Everyone uh, else can go Google it and whoever's right, let us know. Actually, as we talk, I'll Google just to see because I need to know now. Cause I, see, this is the beauty. We were talking before about your memory. You don't actually have to remember anything anymore. You can just Google everything. But when you find these little things, 1989. 89 didn't go on cash. There you go. So we were sort of in the middle. Well, close. Yeah, I was a couple of years out. You were a couple of years out. It's okay. We can live with that. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we don't have to... There's You were saying before, I love the line in The Simpsons where the substitute teacher comes in and he asks a question and Martin Prince answers it and he says, you remembered that? And he goes, yeah. He goes, we've got Google. You don't need to remember anything anymore. <laughs> and Martin Prince goes, I've wasted my life. Yeah. But it's kind of that's um, that's the truth of what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, okay. First of all, Dilly Gaff. What else? What else does you go to for looking after your mental health? What do you do? Mate, again, I just I'm great. I, my partner Michelle, uh, she knows that if I fell down, my usual uh, my happy place was Valvoline Raceway till the government closed it down. But yeah. going out taking photos. Um, just exploring different things, uh, going to different locations where I can photograph. Takes me mind away from things. So something negative could be happening at work. 
I'll go and take photos, uh, like around here in Macarthur where we are from, or even anywhere in Sydney. Go take a photo of something. Mm. Um, uh, there's uh, the uh, La Perouse. There's that old boys' home on the hill there, mm-hmm. uh, where you do the lap. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great thing. And go and check out. But you just got to go and find something that you're content with. Uh, most blokes, oh, yeah, we'll just go out and work on the car, mm-hmm. like I said, um, which is like why you've got groups like the Men's Shed, which is great for guys get together. They have a chat. They get off what's their chest. And, again, one of the first things that they probably say to each other in that group is, how you going, mate? Mm-hmm. And because they're yeah. with each other all the time, they get that sense of yeah. when something's right or wrong or when someone's off, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I kind yeah. of, I kind of assume that photographing stuff, and that's, it's interesting because that sort of speaks to um, creativity. Yeah. You know, just, just because there's an art. Like I was talking, I don't have, I'm not going to pretend I've got a great, you know, insight or understanding into photography, but even just the basic idea of where to place a horizon in a photo, you know, um, but there's an art to getting that really nice shot, that really beautiful sunset shot, or as you, as we said before, that really interesting shot but the satisfaction that then comes from capturing that moment of beauty is really satisfying yeah like um one of the rules of thumb that i was first taught is you never shoot into the sun yeah and i thought to myself okay don't do that then i'm looking at a tree one day and i'm thinking to myself the sun's right behind that but geez just the glow behind it looks really great yeah so I deliberately focused on the tree, not around, not the sunlight itself. Yeah. And it turned out great. Uh, even like last night, uh, I, I like to see the weird things up on the hill there at Goulburn. Yep. There's the old toilets and um, the sun was going down behind the trees. And, that, and you know when you get the shards of sunlight coming through certain things? Yeah. There was one directly under the toilet. It was like golden moment. <laughs> Here it is, here it is guys. Yeah, like, you could just look at it and go, oh, yeah, somebody's had a golden moment in there, obviously. <laughs> I didn't want to do a golden shower joke, but all right, whatever. <laughs> no, they've got no showers in there. It's just the uh, golden thrones. <laughs> the golden thrones of golden. Uh, and do you, do you have any absolute go-tos? So, you know, you get out and explore, you get out and take photos, but do you have any absolute go-tos to just make yourself feel better, like straight away? Or is it just put on put on Kevin Bloody Wilson and laugh? Yeah, well, you like I work in a prestige car yard these days, and um, but it'd be very much frowned upon if you played that kind of filth. <laughs> um, but, yeah, for me, it's sort of like... I just go back again to comedy. It's like if you can't laugh at yourself, yeah. find somebody to laugh at, but don't do it in their face because usually these days they're about 240 pounds and six foot 12 and probably pounds into the grease spot. Yeah. But yeah, just find something to laugh at, like to amuse <laughs> yourself. You find the funny side about anything, like, in, like you've just got to think outside the circle a bit more. And find something that you can you can basically take pardon the phrase everybody, but I'm I do 
some colourful language, but find something you can take the piss out of. Yeah. It's not going to be harmful for them. I think, um, and, and even touching on that, Leslie Jones, the um, the American comedian on from Saturday Night Live, a few years ago when they started to first like zero in on comedians and jokes and trying to cancel jokes, and she was like, "Guys, don't cancel comedians. You you need us out here. You need us to make jokes about these things because we're the ones that makes the that makes this horrible stuff. We're the one that makes it so you can process it. We're the one. We're the one that makes it so you can get through it, kind of thing. And she's absolutely right." You know, like I'm the same as you. I'm looking for the funny. I'm look. Somebody said to me once, like I'm the guy that we're in a group of people at work, and I crack. I'm always got a, a one liner. And somebody said to me once, um, how come you always have the funny line? I said because I'm always looking for the funny line. Mm. Constantly looking for the funny line. If you hear me say something, I've probably rehearsed it a couple of times in my head before I've said it out loud, just to make sure it sounds funny in my head and I get it right but I'm always looking for the funny line. Oh, 100%. You even like, oh, somebody will say something, and something will just pop, no filter, straight out of the head. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm either going to look stupid, and then I go back and I laugh at me and go, oh, God, do you really say that in front of them people? You don't need to be wearing a Life Be In It t-shirt at a funeral. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, that was... Uh... Yeah, again, as I said, you get back to comedy. Everyone loves a good laugh. It's like the funniest thing you can find. Is like, I love, as I said, I love me Kevin Bloody Wilson. He's one of the greatest uh, Australian comedians. And I, I think he... the interesting thing is is um, uh, Jim Jeffries, the comedian, the Aussie comedian. I love him. I think you'd like him as well, actually, because he's pretty, pretty blue. Um, he's like, guys, they're jokes. And he goes, you know, people go like, how can you say these things? And he's like, they're jokes. I make jokes. I don't actually think a lot of the things that I that I say. I just say them because they're funny and it's a joke. That's all it is. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And, and the best way of seeing jokes is like, again, with Kevin, um, you might see um, people like they hear you. Like, remember the old song he had about Hey Santa Claus? <laughs> You where's know, where's me bike? That that's the one. I've opened now, all this other stuff. There's nothing that I like. That's exactly the one. But you know, some of the most funniest, and this is a true story told by Kevin himself. Mm. Uh, one of uh, a certain royal person's chauffeur has actually left his cassette in the car there at uh, one of the palaces, and uh, old Charlie's got in there and turned the radio on, and he's listening to Kev. He's having a laugh, and and the poor guy thought he was, and Kevin, and apparently Charles is a big fan of Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a they're, they're, that's a like a revelation for how you going, mate. That Charles Prince Charles is a fan of Kevin <laughs> Kevin Bloody Wilson. My goodness. Yeah. He just, yeah. I, I just want, I just want, to, I've got now an image. Because my introduction to Kevin Bloody Wilson, I was probably about nine or ten, mm-hmm. and I had a mate who had an older, um, I think it was his dad's cassette, but a, a fellow yep. named Paul Dower that used to yep. walk around and sing um, "Make Me Make the Master Father." Yep, classic. And I used to beg him to sing that because I loved it, and it wasn't until sort of he gave me a, 
think he might have made me a copy of the tape. So there I am at nine or ten, listening mm-hmm. to Kevin Bloody Wilson, which probably explains a lot about me. Um, but thinking that this was the funniest thing that I've heard. So I've just got this image of Prince Charles wandering around, you know, Windsor Castle or wherever he lives, and going, you know, Mick, my mate, the master photo. Yeah, well, that'd be it. Yeah, oh, Camilla, have a listen to this one. And like, a lot of people don't know this, Adam. Is, um, now, it's a family tradition because if you go and see Kev, he actually has his daughter doing um, shows um, wow. as well. Uh, her name, like her stage name is Jenny Talia from Australia. <laughs> and like she's got songs like uh, one called about Facebook and you you'll just sit there and laugh about it and um, one of the uh, songs that uh, she does was about uh, back when the US was governed by old uh, George Bush Yep. and everyone at Whitey Mountain and uh, one of the lines is called no 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 more Bush for a lady <laughs> um, yeah and you just, again, you've got to find something funny to laugh at, and that's the only way you can survive these days. Otherwise, you just get too serious. And, again, like I said, once they get rid of this political correctness, it's, it's again, because all these wowsers and whatnot, oh, you can't say that because you, you might offend somebody. Mm. Or, like a lot of people, they've said to me, you can't say that, and I'm like, fuck, can't you? Mm. Pardon the French, but yeah. I think this is why I always say to people I'd never run for president or I'd never try and host the Oscars because um, there's too much stuff on my old Facebook post that people would go, you said this 12 years ago. Yeah, I did? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> or, or, you know. Or I'd, I'd, well, Adam, I'd probably be there at the Oscars and they'd say, oh, Nicole Kidman, Force. how the hell did she bloody win that? I hated the movie. <laughs> I loved her in BMX Bandits. She was robbed. Yeah, and where was that walkie-talkies? I remember where she had curly hair. Before she met that midget that couldn't drive a race car for... (laughs) Oh, mate, I reckon that's the perfect spot to leave at midgets that can't drive race cars. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. I couldn't stand it. See, have the steering wheel. (laughs) Need to boost the seats. Thank you, sir. All right, always a pleasure. Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, Before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favours? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And, of course, please share this podcast. Um, The reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about. And, of course, the sharing helps us to get our message out there. We don't have any money, so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message. Uh, equally, if you listen to this podcast, now we do a warning at the start, but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being, please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody, Uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 22 4636. 
Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on 1800 551800. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call Triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.